0: What well, we call drugs is seven full Baptist Church. We call us sinners in sin. We're around here King Normandy and Weston.
1: We call this here a little twin twin twin. Never. I so serious. Welcome back to the Y So Serious Podcast. We are back for another movie review. Uh, Me and Rashani are here today to review uh, one of my favorite films of 2018, uh, Vice, the story of Dick Cheney, an unassuming bureaucrat, bureaucratic Washington insider who quietly wielded immense power as vice president to George W. Bush, reshaping the country and the globe in ways that we still feel today. It was directed and written by Adam McKay, starring Christian Bale, Amy Adams, Steve Carell, Um, Roshani, first of all, what's going on, man?
2: Oh, man. Uh,
1: actually, everything and nothing at the
2: same time. Um, just got back from a basketball game. Uh, last game of the season for this team is on Friday. So, I am honestly looking forward to that. Um, I like these kids, but (laughs) high schoolers, man. (laughs) High schoolers, like, seriously. There's, there's nothing quite like, First of all, dealing with other people's kids suck. Like, unless these kids have been around you long enough that you call them your kids, it's a bad experience. Because other people's kids are just inherently, like, not what you want them to be. It's not like they're bad people. It's just they're not they're not configured to your standards yet. Mm-hmm. And with high schoolers who this is the first time you're seeing them, they argue everything, bro. Like, like everything. Like, Hey, the sky is blue. No, it's not. It's gray. No, the sun is out. No, it's not. It's raining. No, it's summer. No, it's not. It's winter and it's everything. It's just like that. So I need a break from high schoolers. Um, I don't know. I just suppressed like three jokes right there that were not in any way, shape or form appropriate. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I just I, I'm I'm done with that. I'm ready to be able to go to movies whenever I want to. Um, I deserve movies. So um but everything's good. Everything's going real good. good. Real
1: talk. Good, good, good. That's what's up. Uh yeah, I remember AU ball from sixth grade, uh actually like fifth grade all the way through high school. Then I played J V one year, my freshman year and varsity three years and I was playing football. So, I, I'm i not a parent, but I saw my parents running around, and they weren't coaching. And so, you're doing the running around with your kids and coaching. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. That's a lot. That's, that's admirable. I just want to go to the movies, bro. <laughs> that's all I want to do. I don't want much. Okay, so let's talk about these movies. So, Vice, what'd you think?
2: Man, it was literally the best movie I saw this year. I'll really? put that out there right now. And I mean, let's not for and 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 let's not forget this is the year of Black Panther, this is the year of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the year of Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Um on, on a on a lesser note. This was the year of um what's that movie where there in the Bay Area? Uh the white guy and the black guy. Yeah, this is the year of blind spotting. Mm-hmm. It's the year of a lot of movies. But Vice hit me in a way this is a year of if Bill Street could talk, bro. And Vice hit me in a way that none of these other movies did. Like it I wasn't even I wasn't even mad at the movie. I wasn't I was I was captivated
1: mm-hmm.
2: by just how nasty politics are and how nasty politicians are. And how nasty their their spouses are. Their significant others are just as nasty as they are. It was just like... Little history lesson. When George Bush and Dick Cheney were in office, I was 20. I'm 39 now. It's a long time ago. And... Yeah. um, When... They were in office. I was 20 and 21. And um, in all honesty, whatever they were doing, I didn't really care because um, you know, uh cash money was taking over for the nine nine two thousand. <laughs> so I knew
1: you were gonna say that.
2: <laughs> I-, I wasn't really paying attention to anything that they were saying. You know, the year after they came out, my daughter was born. Um couple years after that I got my first real job and also began refing and I wasn't paying attention to Dick. I wasn't paying attention to Bush. I was paying attention to Bush but I wasn't paying attention to Bush. Mm-hmm. So when 9/11 happened, I was ready to go join the army. Like I believed everything that, that was going on at that time cuz I wasn't smart enough to make my own decisions. I was I was I'm the son of a... am I'm, I'm a military brat. So I was immediately like, "Yo, I will um Enlist, I'll do all this stuff. I'm ready. Seeing it as a 38-year-old, as a 39-year-old, bruh. They were some evil supervillain geniuses. Well, Dick Cheney Dick was. Dick Cheney
1: was. <laughs> I was about to yeah. say.
2: They made George Wilson into every bit of an idiot. <laughs> but Dick Cheney was amazing. And and Christian Bale, if he didn't win awards for this, I'd be quite put
1: out. Oh, he became Dick Cheney. Like it wasn't Christian Bale, like acting like Dick Cheney. It was Christian Bale, like transformed into Dick Cheney. It was it's surreal watching it. Like it, like I I'm younger than you, but I've always been into politics. So I remember being a teenager during the Bush years, like you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. And watching this stuff and coming home and watching the cable news and being like, what the hell is, like, what is going on? But I I didn't know until later years, probably like, you know, 2007, 2008 is when I went back and I started, like, I watched some documentaries about the Iraq war and Dick Cheney's role and all that. And it's incredible, like it's absolutely incredible. And so, like, there's one a podcast I listen to called "The Last Podcast on the Left." They did an episode on 9 11, and when you like hear like what like they they kind of show it in this film, but like literally they ship George Bush off somewhere and they basically put Dick Cheney in charge. And George Bush was just gone. That like the whole like eight hours or sixteen hours after 9 11, he's just gone, and Dick Cheney's just waiting for that. And in Dick Cheney's sick mind, like, he is ruthless, and he is the evil supervillain. And they Mm -hmm. portray him as that. But in his mind, he... Like, the the crazy thing about Dick Cheney, which is different than, like, some of these other politicians today, is that Dick Cheney absolutely believed that he was helping the country. Like, he absolutely believed that, like, what I'm doing is... The only way because he was such a like like a such a privileged white man where he was thinking like he like he could think that only I know what's best to make this country. And he's a realist and realist. I'm saying realist in the political terms in realism where his whole goal is American superiority. Like we have to be bigger and better than everyone. And everything's a dick measuring contest. And I have to have the biggest dick at all times, mm-hmm. which is essentially what this film portrayed. So I I, I like to say, I like how they showed, like, so in the beginning of the film, and this is what you were talking about with the spouses, in the beginning of the film, they portray his wife as somewhat of a sympathetic character. So they show Lynn Chaney when he's in Wyoming, and he's just this drunk kid that dropped out of school. And she's basically like, dude... You need to get your shit together, man. We got a child coming. You out here getting drunk. What the fuck's wrong with you? Like, and then he's like she's getting picked she's getting like abused by her parents and he fucking zaps on him and so they, they portray her as this sympathetic character. And then you see her like thirty years later, and she is a hundred percent in. And it was literally like a power team where like I don't think Dick Cheney becomes Dick Cheney without Lynn Cheney. I don't I don't think that's exactly. I don't think it's possible. And she she was the linchpin to a lot of the things that he did. And even Dick Cheney, who for a lot of the movie they try to portray as having a line, which we'll talk we'll probably get to we'll definitely get to later. There was a line that he was not willing to cross. And you think and so you're watching this whole movie. So in in other movies, they were probably portrayed as like this noble thing. But in this film, they kept portraying it as this is the line he's not going to cross, this is the line that he's not going to cross, while at the same time showing that every turn he crosses the line, which which was th- thematically leading to the point where you knew he was going to cross that line. Mm-hmm. And he ended up crossing that line with his daughter's run uh, for senator, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. But I just thought thematically that was amazing. Um, I, Roshani, so one of my favorite – my Actually, my favorite part, and I think this person got snubbed completely in Oscars talk, is Steve Carell as Donald Rumsfeld. What do you think yes. about
2: him? He was amazing. And um, to see Steve Carell play this sort of a character, I think that this is the character that he's been licking his lips to play for most of his adult years. Ever since he became Beard Bear, whatever the ladies would call him, this was the character that he was made for. Just the laughing eyes, but just the most cutthroat <laughs> of mindsets. And, and, and it was beautiful. Like, his portrayal was amazing. I'm shocked he didn't get nominated for a supporting actor role because he fell into that role so thoroughly that you really did think he was rummy. Mm-hmm. Like...
1: And they nominated to, Sam Rockwell,
2: which I was gonna say to 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 give it to Sam to give it to Sam Rockwell and not him was amazing to me. Amazing, that should have never been.
1: I have no idea what film they were watching. Dallas Rumsfeld is one of the biggest in real life, one of the biggest war mongers we've ever seen. Like that dude would want to go to war for anything, anything. And when you watch this film, they show how like. From the 60s, it's like Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld, essentially from the 60s, were pulling strings, which all led to what they were able to do after 9-11. Like the amount of executive power that was in that branch that the Bush administration took advantage of that was not designed that way originally with the Constitution. I always say, like, especially as a black person, we're always on social media and we talk about, like, when you see people praising George Washington and the founding fathers, it's always like fuck them. They were slave owners, and that's true. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not taking that back. But the idea of America and like at the time is fucking crazy to think that like people thought about like everything that's in the Constitution and like running the country and the ideals of what America should be without racism, sexism, homophobia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, Dick Cheney and Donald Runfeld saw that shit, and they basically were like, oh, we can exploit this shit. We can pull this string here. We can pull this string here. We can pull this string there. And then, and it's and it's like that thing where people talk about Republicans, and they talk about like, why do poor white folks always continue to vote Republican, even though none of the policies support them? And in fact, some in some parts of the country, it hurts them even more than us. Like, if you go to some rural part in the South where they didn't expand med- Medicaid, they're fucked in the, poor, in the rural, rural country South. And it's all because a, the white, a lot of white people believe that someday they're going to be rich. So instead of saying rich people got to pay higher taxes, their, their idea is, well, I'm going to be that person one day and I don't want to pay 70% tax. So I'm not going to vote for it now, even though it's screwing me over right now. And in this film, Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld were basically like, "Oh, we're gonna be in a position to take advantage of this shit one day, and when that day comes, we need to be prepared and have all the strings pulled so that we can do whatever the fuck we want when that day comes." And that day came, and they did it. Um, what would you think about? Um, what do you think about how he rose the ranks in Washington? First of all.
2: Donald Run- Or not Donald Rumsfeld. Dick Cheney was a drunk. Uh, he was in jail. Um, he was a lineman for an electric company. And for all intents and purposes, there's no real way why, how, or anything like that, that he transitioned from that job into being a politician. Except for two things. <laughs> He's white. And his wife wasn't going to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Lynn Cheney is the type of person who would want to speak to the manager's manager's manager <laughs> to get you fired. Like, if your manager says you didn't do anything wrong, she's going to ask to speak to your manager's manager and try and get you both fired. To where your manager's going to be flipping sides halfway through and looking at you out the side of their eye like, I'm so sorry, there's nothing I can do. Lynn Cheney by nothing more than Moxie and sheer white will, got Dick Cheney into office, got him into a small little office, and then all of a sudden he met Rumsfeld and everything changed because they were two peas in a pod. Um, One thing that just amazes me, it amazes me, Because, like I said, I wasn't paying attention when this all first happened. But as this movie's going on, I'm like, oh, dang, doggone it. It wasn't so much how they were the reason that Fox News got started. Even though they were. Mm -hmm. Literally. Like, they set the laws. George Bush with Dick Cheney. No, Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld helped push through a law that got Fox News the ability to get off the ground and hit the ground running. But one of the most amazing things to me was when they told Colin Powell to go on the news (laughs) and lie about this man and say that this Arabic man was the most dangerous person in the world and that he was a terrorist and all this stuff. And it was some nobody that no one had ever heard of. And this guy went into hiding to protect himself as soon as Colin Powell went to uh went to Congress and said, "This is the person we're looking for. this is what he's done blah blah blah. that guy went into hiding a nobody came out of hiding a mega celebrity and fucking started ISIS <laughs>
1: yeah you gotta you have to watch that. Listen, that, you know, that was one of the craziest parts of the scene to, in the movie to me. Because I, like, my, my wife didn't know it was coming either. And so, and she, and I watched that, that um, press conference live. Like, I remember watching Colin Powell do that. That was on C-SPAN. Like, it actually happened. And it, you're watching him. And you're watching his face. And you're like, they really sent this black man out here to do this. Like, it's mm-hmm. that's essentially what it was. They were like, we're going to send a black man out here to take the bullet. And and because at that point, no, like Dick Cheney, I mean, not Dick Cheney, but George Bush's um, approval rating was in the shitter. And so was Dick Cheney's for the most part. The only person in that administration that America, quote unquote, America, trusted was Colin Powell. People on both sides of the aisle have respect for him. Democrats, Republicans, general people in the country. Everybody might not agree with his politics but everyone had respect for Colin Powell at the time. And so they said we're going to send you out there. And we're going to send the most respected person out there to tell the biggest lie you've ever told in your life. <laughs> it's just ups- it's absurd when you think about it. Like it's so absurd when when you think about the uh, the stuff that went on with this administration. Um I found Dick. I found this film to be refreshing in a way that they wove in comedy in a way that absolutely made the film better and absolutely got across very, like, politics is very minutiae heavy. Like, there's a lot of stuff that, like, in politics that skates by because people just don't want to listen or read or learn or they don't give a fuck. So you say Guantanamo Bay and and people go, oh, yeah, that's a place where they, you know, they put terrorists, right? But it's so much more than that. And so one of the most powerful scenes in this film was the scene in the restaurant where the waiter comes up there, and he basically gives them a menu of, like, fucking torture. And he's basically like, well, you can do this, you can do this, and you can do this. And then you can cover it up with this. And he mm-hmm. and they presented it in a way like, a, pers- like a, a really good waiter at a nice restaurant would tell you about the menu. And it's crazy because that's exactly how they saw it. Like, it's like, oh, we'll take this, we'll do this, and we'll do this. And, and, and then they'll like it. And they didn't give a damn, and it was presented in a way that anybody who goes to see this movie can understand it without having to, like, go read a law or go to school for politics or blah, 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 blah. Like, anybody can watch this film and see that these dudes were super villains. And here's another thing that wasn't talked about in the film directly, but they alluded to it. And I don't know if you knew this, uh, Rashani, but they kind of allude to this. But so when George Bush was running for president, his father told him, do not bring Donald Rumsfeld or Dick Cheney into your uh, into your cabinet. Do not do it, because they're warmongers and they're gonna get you in a war and they're gonna fuck up, fuck everything up. That's what his father told him. Mm-hmm. And and they allude to that a little bit. They they, they kind of show like how George H W Bush didn't really fuck with Dick Cheney because during the time that he was in office, Dick really didn't have any. That was the part when he went to um. He went to work for Halliburton. He really didn't have a job in government um, during that time. And so he and, and uh, Rumsfeld was out too, really. And Dick, George Bush brought him back because he somebody got in his ear and told him, you need Dick Cheney. And that's why he brought him back. But his father was telling him, don't do it. And, he, and Dick Cheney got in. And legit, he was only supposed to run the vice presidency and to pick the vice president. And Dick Cheney, with so much arrogance, goes, "So I'm gonna, I'm gonna head up your uh, vice president search committee." And then he comes back and he goes, "The answer for your vice president is me." Like, can you imagine the audacity of that? Like, that's so audacious and incredible. That he but did by that.
2: that point in time, he had reached his final form mm-hmm. of just untouchable. Like, he just believed himself that, like. In movies, as in books, the one thing that they state over and over again in these form of books, rather, is that the villain, the best villains, think they're doing the right thing. The best villains think they're on the, on the good guy side. The best villains think that they're supposed to be doing what they're doing. Even if they're doing horribly wrong and everybody else sees it, the villain still believes they're doing it for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And so at that point in time, Dick Cheney really believed that he was the best person for that role. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even going to take the job. He was sitting in bed with his wife, the enabler, <laughs> and talking about it because then they went to that Shakespearean thing and they were talking about it. And he decided
1: that this is the way that it has to go. And she laughed at him at first. He mm-hmm. goes, he asked me to be his vice president. And she goes, vice president? There's no power in vice president. There's no power in vice president. <laughs> There's no power in vice president. <laughs> the fuck are you going to take that job for? And Dick Cheney was like, oh, it's George Bush. She, he, They didn't they didn't actually show the scene, but you didn't have to. He said, He probably just said, this man is a moron. <laughs> I will take control of anything that has power, and I will – I will own the power. And for him, everything was power. And all the way back to the beginning, if Donald Rumsfeld, so basically he fell in love with Donald Rumsfeld because of his personality, not his politics, because Mm -hmm. when he went to, he was an intern in Washington. And when he went to Washington, he wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. He was neither. And he walked into that chamber and he heard Donald Rumsfeld up there being fucking Donald Rumsfeld. And he goes, what party are you? And he goes, whatever that guy is. If Donald runs, you know what's crazy? If Donald Rutherford was a Democrat, you know how different this country might have been? Like, it's entirely possible that this country could be totally different right now. And uh, in the, in the, in the 2000s could be totally different. But because Donald Rutherford was a Republican, he became a Republican. And it well, went on from there.
2: Or, you know, if he had died when he had that heart attack. That
1: too. <laughs> So one of the interesting parts of this film was, so they showed him running for Congress in Wyoming. And he was running for Congress. This, really, this was really telling to me, and I was foreshadowing Trump. He was running for Congress in Wyoming on your typical fiscal conservative Republican. He was talking about, we got to save money, and we can't spend money on this, and we can't spend money on that. And then he had the heart attack. And then he couldn't go out on the trail. And so his wife went on the trail. And his wife looked at everybody and looked at all those white faces and said, I'm not gonna talk about money. I'm gonna talk about race. Or I'm gonna talk about these things that are gonna rile them up. And mm-hmm. she went on and she brought that she basically did what the Republicans, what what a lot of the Republicans do is they they hide they they push their rich person agenda on poor whites by couching it in their own bigotry and so they use their bigotry to help them get over and they give that bigotry to those people so they are happy while still holding them down to prop themselves up and she figured that shit out on the flash And just started giving speeches on that, speeches on that, and got her husband. She literally got her husband elected. She did all the work. It was another story of like a a white man. And this is not to be on uh, Lynn Cheney's side, but she did everything. But because she was even at the talk, because she's a white woman, she wasn't going to get elected. But she got her husband elected. She did all the legwork. She was his motivation. She did the campaigning. She probably, they probably didn't show us, but I'm sure she worked on the campaign. She was the author. She was a smart woman. She did all that shit for him, and he basically did nothing. He earned, I mean, I'm sure he worked hard in his own way, but relatively he earned nothing. He just mm-hmm. white-manned his way all the way to the top, and he was shrewd. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he wasn't. He was an evil-ass son-of-a-bitch shrewd person, but he white-manned his way all the way to the top, where he could be in charge. Um, Now, one of the interesting parts of this film that I've been wanting to hear your perspective on is that uh, Dick Cheney's daughter came out as a lesbian. And everything you would think, for people who didn't know that, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that watched this film that had no idea about this. And so everything you were taught about Dick Cheney, you would think that he would just be like, fuck her, I don't care. And for most of his life, it wasn't that. For most of his life, he was like, that's my daughter. I'm accepting that. I'm happy for you. I'm not going to I'm not going to run for office because I know my party's so fucking homophobic that if they found out that I had a daughter that was a lesbian, they wouldn't elect me. And I'm not going to put my daughter through this. I'm not mm-hmm. going to bring it up. And even in the point in the 2000s when he was vice president, when they were he stayed out of any like Pro like George Bush is pushing these like anti-LGBTQ bills Dick Cheney stayed out of all of that shit out mm-hmm. of all he didn't have a single and that's not to give him a gold star but I'm just saying he didn't have a single part of pushing any of that of propagating any of that he stayed out of it for the sake of his daughter and she liked him for that and then his other daughter who you could tell was Liz Cheney who's in the office right now who is the daughter that he liked, you could tell she was like the star daughter, quote-unquote. She decides to run for office in Wyoming, and somebody lets it out that um, his sister is a lesbian, and so she has to vote on, she has to take a stand on, like, uh, gay people getting married. And so she goes home and she talks to Dick, and she talks to her dad about it. And he basically goes... Go ahead and do it without telling her sister she was going to do it. Like in a political family, I'm sure that shit happens all the time. And you go to them and be like, Look, I, I know I don't believe this, but this is some politics shit. I got to say it. None of that happened. She went to Liz, went to Dick. Dick said, Go do it. She went on t- national TV and basically was like, I don't condone my sister's lifestyle. Like that's some fucked up shit. That's some mm-hmm. fucked up shit. What did you think about that whole storyline?
2: That. I knew about his daughter being gay, and I knew that they were estranged, but that was still heartbreaking, because even though you knew from the beginning how much he loved his eldest daughter and how much she was the apple of his eye and all that kind of stuff, when his daughter came out to him, he was the most supportive person in the room, Mm -hmm. and to burn your family, to burn that bridge, to ruin it. All the times y'all had together with her and her spouse and with her family. And to just, not for not for yourself either, but for your other daughter. Like, you're killing her in two different ways right now. Because you're showing that your other daughter's job is more important than this daughter's life. And then you're showing that this one is clearly my favorite child because otherwise I'd have been like, no, nah, I don't support this. But all you can see is politics. All you can see is the next step and power. And it it, it was sickening. It was straight up sickening to me.
1: Um, yeah, it was, it's hard to watch. I and mean, the, Another part of this film uh that we're talking about because I'm not even going to say it. I mean, obviously we always spoil shit but so there's a narrator throughout the entire film. And and beginning of the film he's like, "How do I know so much about Dick Cheney you'll find out," right? And so the whole movie he's narrating the film and you're trying to figure out who the narrator is. Like, who who is this person that's like narrating the story about Dick Cheney. And you literally find out that it's the person who gave Dick Cheney the heart transplant, who he never met, and I thought that was so brilliant in the way they they did that. Like he was literally the thing that kept Dick Cheney alive. <laughs> that was I thought that was great. What you did you did you see that coming? No,
2: no, and it, it horrifying, <laughs> like horrifying how that happened like i said if he had just died but i mean well played vice well played adam mckay it, it just everything in this movie like i didn't i i i usually go into the movie theater and i get popcorn and i get a soda and somewhere in between i'll get up and i'll get a refill on popcorn And I'll get a refill on my soda somewhere, somewhere in the movie. And I might even get up to use the bathroom if it's a movie that I'm not feeling or that I've seen before already. Dude, I could have pissed on myself and died of starvation. (laughs) I was not moving from my seat. I was riveted. Um, Eyes open the entire time, like wide open, like, oh, my God. I went and saw that movie on Christmas Day. While my family went to my mother-in-law's house, I was like, nah, I'm not. I'm going to see Vice. And my beloved was like, what's Vice? And I was like, it's the story of Dick Cheney. And she just gave me a look. <laughs> Bruh, when I say as soon as this movie's available on Voodoo, I'm buying it, mm-hmm. believe you me. And everybody's going to watch it. This is going to be like the movie that your mother-in-law forced you to watch at Thanksgiving. One of them uh, Tyler Perry plays. I'm going to just pop up at people's houses on, like, Thursday night dinner and be like, yeah, we watching Vice tonight. Boom. Here it's it is. It's enjoyable.
1: It's exactly. fun. It's, uh, it's it, I mean, it's serious, and it hits you, and it's absolutely a film that we needed at this time, because it basically shows you that, like, as fucked up as the George the Bush administration was, Dick Cheney knew what he was doing to an extent. But it shows you that, like, the problem with putting executive power and giving power to the executive branch without checks and balances is not even, I mean, as fucked up and bad as the Bush administration is, it's not even that. It's when you give that power and no checks and balances to a person who's a fucking moron, like Trump. And so you you put all those things in place, and then this idiot comes in who doesn't know anything, and it's just as evil, but stupid like dick cheney is evil but he wasn't a stupid man he he was a shrewd fucking politician Mm -hmm. this person now you have someone who's just as evil that's a moron Mm -hmm. but that has all this power as well and that's scary as shit for the country and
2: it's all because of laws that dick Made when he was in office. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't I don't know if this was spoken on clearly enough for y'all listeners to really gather. But Dick Cheney took a position that was usually before him known as an empty, powerless position. His wife didn't even want to make, didn't even want him to take the job, and changed it into what it is. Not even now, changed it into what it is for him. Because Mike Pence doesn't have that power. Nope. He doesn't. Nobody. Dick Cheney walked up to a broken down car. (laughs) Made it into a Lamborghini. And then put a kill switch on it that required a certain code and ways of key turns in order for it to start. And then he drove that mug till the wheels dang near fell off. And then he offered it to anybody else who wanted to take it, and nobody else could start the car. Nobody else is going to be able to do what Dick did. Nobody. Ever. And, Unless Dick Cheney starts being vice president
1: again. But also, in order to get Dick Cheney, you have to have a George Bush. So, for mm. example, as, as fucked up as Trump is, Trump, Dick Cheney wouldn't exist under Trump. Because Trump's ego is way too big. To allow Dick Cheney to be in charge and do the shit that he did under Bush.
2: Yeah, he fired him.
1: Yeah, Trump would have fired him. Trump would have fired Dick Cheney after one year. He'd have been out. It would have never made it that far. Because he, he his ego couldn't take that. And George Bush. So, that's another thing. So, one of, the, one of the complaints that some critics have and some people who saw the film. Is how they portrayed George W. Bush. Um... Some people thought that they portrayed him too much in a positive light, like as this lovable moron who just got taken advantage of, and then other people thought that they portrayed him as too stupid and that he was more complicit in real life than he was portrayed in the film. Um, what 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 did you think about how they portrayed George W.? I
2: thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Because the dude was an idiot, and every time I look at George Bush, even right now, the candy-passing George Bush, the the one that wants everybody to love him, I, I still just think about that nigga literally got a shoe thrown at him. I think about that all the time. He choked on a pretzel. I think about that all the time. Here's the and thing, so- though.
1: That shoe throw was one of the fucking G's moments in President Though He ducked that motherfucking shoe and stood right back up and kept going.
2: No, he ducked it like it wasn't the first time he's had a shoot. <laughs> that, done. That's really it. If you, can, if you can matrix a shoe like that, <laughs> my mom used to swing at the back of my head when, when I walked in front of her and I'd be talking. And when she heard something she didn't want to hear, i get popped in the back of the head. And it got to the point where I was able to time when she was going to swing and I could duck that shit and keep walking <laughs> like nothing happened. Like, just keep talking and keep whatever. And she was swinging. I would duck, and it would be glorious. He's gotten shoes thrown at him before. But he was a—I I, I didn't know how much of a party kid he was. Oh, yeah. Like, for John McCain, when he was running for president, they laid all his sins bare in Rolling Stone. I read that article over and over again. It was greatness. I didn't read anything on George Bush, again, I didn't care. I didn't care. I voted for John Kerry, but eh. No, wait, Dan Quayle. Wait, I don't even know who was running no, against John
1: Kerry. The first time it was Al Gore.
2: Al Gore, yeah. right, that guy. I voted for him. Didn't care. They were just white guys. So, all of the stupidity of George Bush, didn't care, didn't pay attention. All of the evilness of Dick Cheney didn't care, didn't pay attention, just went out and voted down party lines. So this whole movie was like, I sat there in the back of this movie theater, empty container of popcorn, empty soda, and just thought to myself, How didn't anybody else see that this was happening? All these dominoes are falling into place, and nobody stopped anything. And then I was like, I didn't pay attention, so why were they? Dick Cheney was a, a, a old-looking, like soft-spoken, uh, a gritty, just, huh. when he wasn't there, folks didn't notice he wasn't there. When he was there, folks didn't want him there because he was a Runsfeld. And
1: at one point they show like where he had an office at. And he had an office in the White House, he had an office in the Pentagon, he had an office in the State Department. Like he was literally running I mean, the entire country. Mm-hmm. Like just running everything. <laughs> literally, not like even like literally going from place to place telling them what to do. Like it's crazy. It's crazy when you think about the shit that was happening then. And and, and one of the funniest parts of the scene was at the end where they needed a scapegoat, and they scapegoated Rumsfeld. Mm -hmm. And Rumsfeld was like, oh, you're you're, you're fucking me over, Dick, aren't you? And he's like, (laughs) oh, all right, yeah. He's basically like, I I respect you. I taught that. I I taught you that. I had it coming, you know, whatever.
2: (laughs) You know, okay. Like, yeah, it's your time. Yeah, it's my time. <laughs> <laughs> everything in this movie was just wonderful.
1: Absolutely, um, that's really all I can say. It was, it was everything. Oh no, I got it something was like, for you to say. Were you shocked? How did were you shocked to see Tyler Perry as Colin Powell? Why you got to do that? <laughs> why,
2: why, 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 why you got to do that? I I, I was all happy. Um, (sighs) Tyler Perry wasn't even enough to ruin this movie. (laughs) I saw Tyler Perry and it was just like, uh, okay, let's get back to how uh, Dick Cheney's tearing people a new one from behind closed doors. So, I was more surprised they didn't give Condoleezza Rice more of, uh, like, I don't even think they mentioned her by name.
1: Yeah, they mentioned her. She was in
2: the war room. Oh, I know she was in the war room. I just don't think they gave her too much of a, a role or a part or anything. No, they didn't so, give her too much of a
1: role. Uh, so
2: that was what was surprising to me, because I, when I was, back then, I thought Condoleezza had more power than Dick. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. Thought it. I was wrong. I
1: apologize. Also, the last uh, other funny thing was um, them showing the scene of him shooting that man in the face. Listen, you don't know how powerful Dick Cheney was. He shot a man in the face.
2: And the dude apologized. That
1: man apologized to him. And Dick Cheney to this day, to this day, has not apologized to that man for shooting him in the face.
2: And won't. He's going to take that one to his deathbed. Like, you know why that happened. And I mean, if I didn't distrust politicians so much, I would say Dick Cheney is working somewhere right now, like <laughs> he's seems like the guy who's always gonna be behind closed doors, period,
1: yeah, absolutely um so out of uh out of ten. Actually, I want to play a clip from Vice. Uh, let me see here if I can get it. I want you to be my VP. You're the solution to my problem. Uh,
0: i CEO of a large company. I have been uh, Secretary of Defense. I have been Chief of Staff. Uh, the Vice Presidency is mostly a uh, symbolic job. Right, right. I can see how that wouldn't be... Uh, yeah enticing to you. However, (laughs) the vice presidency is also defined by the president. If we were to come to a uh, different understanding. Uh Uh-huh. Go on. I'm listening. I sense that uh, you're a kinetic leader. You make decisions. Based on instinct. I am. Mm. People I said that. Yeah, yeah. Very different. Very different from, uh, from your father in that regard. Now, maybe I can uh, handle some of the more mundane jobs. Overseeing uh, bureaucracy. Military. Managing military. Uh, <laughs> energy, uh, foreign policy.
1: that sounds good <laughs> <laughs> that's so good oh my god if that listen, here's the funny thing if that is the actual conversation is that how it went down that's one of the most remarkable political conversations ever like can you imagine like that's absurd <laughs> but it's, it's, I'm, I can imagine that's probably how it went down uh, alright before we get out of here on Vice uh, out of 10 where do you give this film Rashani 10
2: I don't do it too often but when I do it Look, people, if I give a movie a 10, go see it. Drop everything, go see that movie. So far, the 10s I've given have been The Incredibles 2. If Bill Street could talk, I gave a 15. And Vice. Vice gets a 10. Vice will get more. But in all honesty, I'm still a little bit salty about how they're really the reason why Fox News is here now. (laughs) So I'm going to limit my, I'm going to curb my enthusiasm a bit, but it's an amazing movie. Christian Bale did a phenomenal job. Uh, Steve Carell did a phenomenal job. Amy Adams did a phenomenal job. Sam Rockwell played a great dummy. Mm-hmm. Everything was amazing in this movie. And you got to see it. Guess- There's no other way to put it. You
1: Gotta see it. still in theaters. So go see it. Um, I give it a 9.5. I take off .5 for Tyler Perry. Tell her oh, that nigga. I don't, I don't fuck with Tyler Perry. But that nigga. Outside of him, the movie was fantastic. Christian Bale should, should win Best Actor. I know we're going to talk about another film that has a Best Actor nominee, and he was fucking great too. But Christian Bale was great as Dick Cheney. I'm pissed that Steve Carell wasn't nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Because that Donald Rumfeld character was incredible. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Carell, that man to come from 40-year-old version to this is amazing, his career trajectory. Um, Roshani, uh what's going on with your podcasting network?
2: Actually, um, with the advent of AAU, some of the uh, shows... May seem like they're on hiatus, but they're not. It's just the AAU tournaments go on Saturdays and Sundays, and I record a large majority of my shows on Sunday, so we've been taking a little bit of a break. But don't worry. Uh, Unburdened and the Dream Team will both be back this Sunday, uh, and Storytellers will be out soon. It's just that two of our uh, hosts are about to get married, not to one another. So they're each uh, getting things put together for their... Weddings, mm-hmm. and that takes precedence, you know. Love and happiness. Al Green said it was great too. Um, thank you to everybody who uh, donated uh, for my youth basketball teams. Um, the turnout was amazing. We were able to purchase and received uh, seven new basketballs. Uh, we got two, uh, bungee core resistance, uh, trainers with the harnesses and everything. Um, we got cones. Uh, we got dribble specs, which are glasses that go over the kid's eyes. So then they can't look down at the ball water dribbling, um, we got tennis balls. So then, while they're dribbling with one hand with the drill specs, they're throwing tennis balls off the wall and catching them. Just a, a ton of little things that will help these little kids become great players. And it's all thanks to y'all. So, thank you so much. We greatly do appreciate it. Brandon, thank you so much. We're in your debt for a long time. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on with us right now.
1: No, that's exciting. I'm happy about that i'm glad uh almost everything is replaced now so mm-hmm. the kids can be successful basketball is a big part of my life growing up so i get it i get it um but uh we are gonna be out with rashani and i since basketball is almost over are gonna really try to rapid fire get some of these reviews out before the oscars come out later this month um so just stay tuned to all of those things um Next week, we got Blurred Vision from the Blurred Comics podcast coming on to talk with us, me, Mike, and Devin. So, stay tuned for that. Um, <laughs> so, listen to this, uh, Rashawn. Remember how I was telling you how we're doing the shitty movies every month? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, this month, I I sus- I surprised everyone. I said, I got a movie that you guys probably weren't thinking about. We're going to review Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter. And, <laughs> and you know and you know what it turned into it turned into a versus retro movie review because we're going to see which film was better or in my mind which film was worse Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat
2: You know, Mortal Kombat was such a horrible... No, let me take that back. Mortal Kombat wasn't the horrible movie. Mortal Kombat Annihilation Annihilation, was a horrible movie. (laughs) Annihilation was the one where they had the animalities. Yeah, yes. And and I remember watching that movie with one of my good friends and my brother, the punk ass, and uh, we went and sat in the theater and watched that, and I remember there was a point where somebody stood up in the theater when... Oh, Liu Kang um, turned into a dragon and then Shang soon turned into a dragon and somebody <laughs> stood up in the theater and said, and I quote, you have an animality? Well, I have an animality too. Rah, rah, <laughs> <laughs> And it actually made sense within the movie. That movie was so bad that I don't know. Because it didn't have the John Claude Van Dever the Raul, or the Raul, Raul Julia name um, behind it. And you could tell the Raul Julia was having fun with Street Fighter. That Tuesday line, I still use that. You know, <laughs> the day that you stood up against me was the biggest day in your life. <laughs> but to me, it was Tuesday. And I know that's paraphrasing. He actually said the day Bison came to your town was the most important day of your entire life. But for me, it was Tuesday, yeah. and whenever I think about that, I think about I Love McConan. how I had the town going up on a Tuesday. Um, that movie's awful, but it's not. It, it's better than it's. It's not better than the regular Mortal Mortal Combat. But if you say Mortal Combat Annihilation, then we'd have an argument on our hands.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's. Good. I saw a retro review for February. That's going to be sometime later this month. Uh, but you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts at. Please leave us a five-star review. Uh, those helps us out a lot. Uh, like I said, Rashawn, you're not going to be knocking these movie reviews out, but please check those out. Let us know. Give us some feedback, and we'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Peace.